Johnson County Department of Health and Environment encourages immunocompromised residents to get an additional dose. On this episode, hear the latest on how you can promote COVID-19 immunity. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. A lot going on in the world of COVID-19 transmission and vaccines. Here to talk more about that is Dr. Sami Ariola, Johnson County Department of Health and Environment Director. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, uh, Teresa. Well, first off, can you just talk a little bit about the transmission levels right now in the community and the impact that we're seeing on our healthcare systems? The, the uh, activity level of the virus um, uh, measured by actual infections, uh, positivity rate, incidence rate uh, are too high. We are um, right at about 385 uh, cases per 100,000 residents for the past two weeks. Positivity rate is uh, over 9%. Uh, to put that in, in perspective, when I presented the, to the board of uh, county commissioners uh, early June, positivity rate was at 1.3%. So that's an eightfold increase right now. And that's also true for incidence rate where we were as low as 47, 100,000 residents for the preceding uh, 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 14 days, now at 385. That's also an eightfold increase. Um, uh, as I've said uh, several times, um, we have a responsibility to bring those numbers down. Um, it is safer to uh, keep our schools open in person. It is safer for our children to be in school if we reduce the opportunity for the virus to spread. Uh, it is uh, easier on our health systems, on our hospitals, if infections are down right now they are at capacity. They are having staff that are, have to be excluded either because they are positive or they are in quarantine. And, and also because we've been doing, dealing with this now for about 20 months, uh, staff are stressed. And so uh, th those pressure, I think collectively as a community is a responsibility that we have to take uh, seriously. And I know that we do, and I know that we have but that's what we are facing right now. It's uh, another opportunity for the community to rise up. We need to wear masks. We need to get um, vaccines to, into the arms of more people. Right now, using, using CDC's data, just under 72% of our residents are fully vaccinated, those that are eligible. One thing we have to keep in mind is those that are younger than 12 are not even currently eligible, and that's a big part of our population. How do we protect them? Here's how we protect them. Those that surround them, where they live, where they play, where they go to school, they need to get vaccinated. If people at home around them are vaccinated, if people at school around them are vaccinated, if people where they play are vaccinated and wear masks, we protect them even though they are not currently eligible. And I think that's a responsibility that uh, we, all, we all share. So we're hearing quite a few reports now that patients may be waiting um, in ERs and um, the hospitals are at capacity and they're short staffed, as you mentioned. Um, so, so 
we're seeing a lot of the the people with COVID in the hospitals are the ones who are unvaccinated. Is that right? That is correct. I um, had a meeting with uh, local health systems a couple of days ago, and our own uh, MedAct director, Dr. Ryan Jacobson, was there also. And um, so typically when we meet, we ask them where they are. And uh, really, they, are, they were all reporting 90%, 88% of their infections are in unvaccinated persons. And another 5 to 10% are in immunocompromised or people with uh, conditions that maybe will not allow the, uh, a robust immune response uh, to the vaccine. And, and, and so that, that, that's, uh, again, um, another testament to uh, the uh, efficacy and the, uh, of, the, of the vaccine. If you are vaccinated, even with infection, you don't, it doesn't rise up to the level of uh, being hospitalized or, or, or dying. And uh, so it, it does blunt the, the severity of the illness. Uh, and that's why it's, it's important. But yes, our hospitals are, are stressed. Um, uh, the uh, EMS uh, 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 trying to uh, find a space for people with other conditions, uh, um, uh, having to uh, spend more time looking for where where um, space is, uh, and spoke to all of them. They so in some cases they have beds; they just don't have staff to to do that. Now we are having people that are transported to emergency room having to wait thirty minutes, one hour, or several hours before they can find space for them. It's just, it's just not the ideal situation uh, in our community. If people uh, need emergency medical services, um, they should be able to get it. And uh, the hospitals are, are, are not accepting transfers. They just don't have those capacity now. Again, it is a responsibility that collectively as a county, we have to take uh, seriously. We have to wear masks. We have to avoid crowded environments. We have to get vaccinated. Those are the uh, paths out of where we are. And where we are is not sustainable. It's not somewhere we want to be for a long time. Uh, my job is to create conditions that support health. My job is to ensure that in the county, everyone, uh, everyone no matter who they are, where they are, uh, have the opportunity to be as healthy as they as they can be, and that's part of our message. Of my message to you is right now, because of the pandemic, we're putting a strain on our health systems, and there's something that we can do about it. And I'm asking everyone to join us in doing that. All right. And speaking of immunocompromised uh, residents, the CDC recently came out with some new guidance uh, pertaining to them to, and encouraging them to get additional an additional dose. So uh, can you talk about that and who falls in that category? Right. So um, uh, the uh, new guidelines from the CDC regarding the third or the additional dose for certain people moderately to severely um, immunoc immunocompromised persons um, is uh, again because uh, of um, certain things, maybe medication, organ uh, transplant, um, um, uh, HIV uh, positive, all of those other factors that could impact the um, ability of your system to mount a robust uh, immune response to the vaccine. Uh, so there's enough evidence uh, showing that an additional dose is very helpful to those uh, group of people. 
And so uh, the way that I, I have um, said it and to people and the way that uh, um, FTA really explains that, it's, it, you've got to do that in consultation with uh, uh, your attending physician. Uh, if you fall into that category, uh, please go and do that. Um, they, we have seen cases where even after the second dose, um, just uh, checking um, the antibody levels, it, uh, it's, it's insufficient to protect you against uh, a COVID infection. So if, if you fall into that category, I am encouraging you consult with your, with your physician, get that third dose. And uh, before FDA and CDC approve that, they look at all of the available data. And right now, uh, we want you to be protected fully. And that additional dose takes you closer to being uh, protected. So the, the third dose for those who are immunocompromised shouldn't be confused with a booster shot for the general population. So can you kind of talk about how those, those terms are used? And then also, what's the projection for, for boosters for that larger group? Right. So, so boosters are, are different. We don't currently have an uh, uh, approval or a directive from CDC uh, for um, uh, providing boosters to the general population. The additional dose that's currently approved is, again, for moderately or severely uh, immunocompromised. Boosters are different. So every one of us that have taken the first two shots of the mRNA vaccines, that's the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna, uh, will be eligible for a booster shot when it is approved. Now, the reason uh, I said when is we have had in the news uh, eight months after the second shot, uh, yesterday, we had possibly six months, but those are in the news. Uh, we take our instructions from the CDC and the KDHE. We don't have those yet. When we do, we'll let you know. But uh, the way that that's going to shape up is we have seen uh, scientifically evidence that um, a third dose sig significantly boosts the immune response. And uh, in, in theory, that just means a more robust defense against uh, severe symptoms, hospitalizations, and death uh, that results from COVID. Now, when that becomes available, when we have the directive from CDC, we will let you know. Of course, um, uh, we have uh, vaccinated hundreds of thousands of persons in our county. So uh, logistically, we are starting to work on those things. We are consulting with our health systems. One of the good things right now is we have a lot more providers in the county than we did in January when we were vaccinating. Uh, but also um, the challenges that the health systems are facing in terms of staff shortages um, is going to play a role. Uh, uh, but we uh, are reaching out to everyone. We are looking at uh, ensuring that we vaccinate our most vulnerable population in the long-term care facilities. when. We went through the first, uh, the first uh, vaccination campaign. Uh, they were vaccinated through the Federal Pharmacy Partnership Program. And so uh, we are looking at whether that will still be in play. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I think uh, recent ev evidence suggests that the federal government might support that too. And that would be, that would be pretty good. I've checked with all of our health systems. They're going to participate. Uh, maybe in slightly different ways than they did the last time, but they will be they will be uh, offering uh, the vaccine when the directives come, and so 
as we said earlier in the year still, uh, the fastest route is uh, through your relationship with your primary care physician, your doctor's office, they have the vaccine. But again, we don't have the directives. Now, when we do, we'll be providing more information to, to the general public. And we're already getting questions from the public um, who used our, our vaccine clinics early on. I want to get on your list to get a booster. And so just to be clear, there is no list at this time and the process might look different. There is no list at this time. Um, every I don't have a directive, uh, official directive from the CDC or KDHE. Um, uh, everything that we are seeing is uh, largely uh, in the news. And yes, we have been on a few uh, official calls with the federal agencies to know what's going on. And so, but again, um, there is no list uh, and the process uh, will be different. Uh, but when we have the directive and we firm up the logistics, we will keep you informed. We'll reach out to you. Uh, here's, what, here's what you should know. You have, we, we want you to get the shot. Uh, we will give you all the opportunities to, to get the shot. Perfect. Okay. Well, also from the federal government, uh, we recently heard that uh, the FDA gave full approval for the Pfizer vaccine. So can you talk a little bit about that? And then I'm sure people who maybe got the Johnson and Johnson or got the Moderna are wondering, does that mean my vaccine is any less effective? Uh, thank you. Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, the, uh, uh, a few days ago, the FDA gave a full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for those that are 16 plus, you would uh, remember that the approval for 12 to 15 year old came later. Um, to be clear, it's still the same vaccine that we were given uh, a, uh, a few months ago. It's not it's the same formulation, the same dosage. It's not any different. It's just the process. So uh, again, because of the benefits and because of where we, where we were, it was pretty clear that an emergency use authorization is needed because the uh, process for the full approval takes time and we couldn't afford uh, to wait. Uh, again, after having tested those uh, vaccines through very rigorous, the United States has the most rigorous process for approving chemicals, pharmaceuticals coming into the market. They were tested in uh, tens of thousands of people through multiple stages. They were tested for efficacy. They were tested for safety. And again, the, uh, to add to those tests before the emergency use authorization is the fact that we have now given those vaccines to hundreds of millions of people. And we continue to see, even with the large, large data, that they are very efficacious and they're very safe. And, 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 and that's, that's, that, is, that is the thing for all three of the vaccines. So I expect in the coming weeks or months that we'll see similar full approval for the Moderna, for the Johnson & Johnson, and for Pfizer 12 to 15 year old, those are going to come. But they don't change what we know about the vaccine. They don't change um, the dosage. They don't change the formulation. It doesn't change that the fact that they continue to protect against death and hospitalizations and uh, severe illnesses, even with the more infectious Delta variant. That stands consistent that those that are vaccinated have uh, no symptoms, mild symptoms, they don't die. 
and that's the that's the key thing that um, uh, we are seeing even with the uh, uptick in number of infections arising from 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 Delta. All right, and as we wrap up our conversation, uh, we wanted to turn it back to schools. So the school year just started up and we saw, we are seeing a lot of the Johnson County school districts um, utilizing the, the safety protocols of masking and um, social distancing or physical distancing and then hand washing and all of that. Um, so are we seeing an impact? Or are we seeing increased levels of transmission uh, among the school children at this point? Oh, we we uh, are seeing an, an impact. Uh, kudos to uh, Board of County Commissioners uh, in their capacity as the Board of Health for passing the, the mandate for K through six. Uh, an even bigger appreciation for our school districts. Five out of six extended that K through 12 requiring mask. And we have seen this school year across the country uh, uh, schools in, in Georgia, schools in Missouri, schools in Mississippi, who opened, Arkansas, who opened without mask and have to shut down or go virtual or require or mandate mask within days of opening. Uh, in our cases, we are picking up the infections early because of uh, wearing mask and because we are increasing vaccination in uh, 12 to 15 year olds, as well as uh, we've had a huge uh, portion of the staff and teachers vaccinated. Uh, we are testing early when we pick up symptoms uh, uh, and identifying cases, putting them in isolation and quarantining uh, close contacts. Again, those that are vaccinated are not considered close, close contacts. If both, both parties are wearing masks, we don't consider them close contact. But you can see we are succeeding in keeping our children in school um, in person because of those efforts. And I, I mean, there's going to be some outbreaks, no question about it. Um, but uh, really, really uh, appreciative and uh, happy about where things are. It continues to be uh, something that we have to monitor. It's uh, we've uh, dedicated a lot of resources to that. Our entire case investigation and contact tracing is prioritizing our students because we want to keep our schools open. Uh, we have an epidemiologist, a case investigator, a contact tracer assigned to each of the school districts and, and just working with them to ensure that we keep our schools open. Uh, now, um, our success and the ability to do that depends on the cooperation that we receive from the schools. It's a, it depends on the schools uh, working with us when there's a case and, uh, and working with us to do the proper exclusions. As long as those continue, I am um, pretty optimistic that we'll continue to uh, do what is the primary goal. Um, let our students be in school in person to take advantage of the social, emotional, mental benefits of interacting with others and learning in person. All right, great information. And again, thank you, as always, for, for being with us and uh, sharing this important information with our listeners. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. All right. And to get more information about COVID-19 in Johnson County, visit jococov.org forward slash coronavirus. Thanks for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. 
For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.